This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Hey, everyone. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. I don't know about y'all, but every day I'm ducking robocalls, phishing emails, scammy texts, you name it. I even got caught up in a flower delivery scam this week. It's like the scams are never ending. And it's getting harder and harder to figure out what's real and what's not because there are so many kinds of scams. Sometimes the scam is as straightforward as a spoofed phone call from your bank. I was called two days before Christmas by a group posing as my credit union. Uh, A week later, when I checked my bank account, I put the pieces together. Uh, There was no money in it. Or as intricate as creating fake apartment listings, complete with a whole team of actors capable of fleecing multiple prospective tenants. Hey, boys and girls, it's tea time. Listen to how I got scammed for thousands and thousands of dollars for a New York City apartment. It's rough out here. And a lot of the time, the victims of these scams don't get their money back. But there are some people fighting back in their own ways. They called me up and they told me that they were with the FBI. So what I did was I uh, said, just a minute. There's somebody knocking at my door. So I had gotten some gunfire noise, you know, like from the internet. Then I play that back to him. And then I came back and I said, can you call the local Seattle police? Because I've got a dead man on my doorstep. <laughs> he got very concerned. He said, no, sir. No, sir. We can't do that. You know, I'm, I said, well, you, you're with the government. You can call the police. And so he got terribly flustered and hung up on me. Unfortunately, everyone doesn't have the range to create stage plays for scammers. But our first guest today has a whole podcast dedicated to uncovering their lies, tales, and fallacies. Lacey Mosley, a.k.a. The Scam Goddess, covers her favorite scams from historical Houdinis to George Santos. But even though Lacey chats about scams for a living, even she can be scammed. That made me angry because I was like, this person is pretending to be me and now I want blood. (laughs) I went full Liam Neeson. I was like, I'm going to neck chop everybody. Today on the show, Lacey draws the line between small time schemers and big time hustlers and shares how Elon Musk's Twitter takeover likely led to her followers being scammed out of thousands of dollars. All that and more coming up. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card. You call the number for help and can't get a hold of anyone. If only you had a Discover card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. A real person. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how her team makes an impact. 
we always do what we like to think of as actionable science. So the work that we do makes its way to things like nutrition and physical activity guidelines for cancer.org, where millions of people come each year to learn about how they can better prevent cancer. To learn more, go to cancer.org. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Lacey, a.k.a. The Scam Goddess, welcome to It's Been a Minute. Hi, thank you. I love NPR. So happy to be back. (laughs) I'm so glad you came on here today because we're talking about all things scam. Clearly, you're very well-versed in all things scam. What made you start an entire podcast about scammers? Like, where did your fascination with scammers start? It's true crime, but without the murder. Like, you don't have to hear about some <laughs> nice, you know, white lady getting murdered on her jog home. Like, it's just, mm. it's it's mm. fascinating, but it's not grotesque. And it's funny, you know? <laughs> scammers, like, I feel like as an actor, like, I'm part scammer. Like, they wear costumes. They have accents. They tell all types of lies. <laughs> and have to keep up with those lies. I recommend a lie journal. A what? A lie journal. You know, you write down who you lied to that day and what you told them so you can so remember. you can keep your story straight. I, mm, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm with you. I'm with That's you. where George Santos got caught up. You got, you can't just be out here just telling willy-nilly lies. Like, you know, you got to keep everything in a linear path. And I think that we watch scammers for the same reason that people watch true crime, like true violent crime mm. documentaries. You're fascinated by people who would do something so horrendous because you can't even imagine yourself doing it. But then a little mm-hmm. bit and probably like a lot of bit of you is watching it because you're like, oh, let me get this information so it doesn't happen to me. You know? Mm. <laughs> yeah. What kind of scam story doesn't appeal to you? The kind of scam stories that I really don't enjoy are when people are punching down. Mm. So what I mean by that is that if you're scamming big corporations, they're already scamming. They steal from us in more ways than one, bailouts, taxes, Mm. wage theft, you name it. So if you're scamming big corporations, I'm all the way here for it. Like, get your lick back. (laughs) I want to join you. But if you're scamming down people who really need their money, people who don't have a lot of money, people who are desperate, and I hate to see people who need a, you know, a leg up, who need an opportunity get scammed because that just feels like you're punching down on people who are already in Mm. a vulnerable position. But if you're stealing from corporations, if you're stealing from Uncle Sam, get it. So, okay. So you talk about scams for a living. Or at least part of your living. We know you're an actress, an actress. Mm-hmm. We respect it. But yeah. late last year, <laughs> you, the scam goddess, were publicly scammed. Yes. Can you give me a breakdown of how that day went where you realized, oh my God, I got scammed? What basically happened was Elon Musk walked into Twitter with that sink. And honey, he sank it. Within 24 hours, my account had been taken over. And I just started seeing like the same copy paste of like MacBooks for sale for three hundred dollars mm-hmm. with a photo of this MacBook. I think what was uniquely problematic for my situation is because my Twitter is scam goddess. And yeah. So people for some reason trusted it 
because they thought it was me. I'm not going to lie. I saw those tweets going out and I was like, now this don't seem like the type of thing she would do. Right. <laughs> but, but I mean, it seemed off to me, but to your point, because you are the scam goddess, I was like, first of all, no way she got scammed. Because also the person who was tweeting was like, I know you all don't believe me, mm-hmm. but it's really me. Like It's for charity. Won't say what charity it is, just for charity. You know, the idea of charity. Right. We raised right. an awareness assist. So far, we got 50 <laughs> awarenesses. So we raise more awareness. Like, what? Even with all the telltale signs there, it was still because it was coming from your account and this is like your lane. I was like, oh, no way. This is fake. Oh, and that's what made it so hard on me. Um, and I really feel for the people who were victims of this because everyone who was like working really hard to get it back, it still took eight or nine days to recover my account. Wow. Then wow. when I recovered the account, to my dismay, uh, when I went through the DMs, I realized and I added it up, at least over $3,000 had been stolen from people, individuals. Wow. Mm-hmm. And some of them people I know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yes. I felt incredibly horrible about it. I still feel horrible. That led to me talking to hackers, wow. but I was desperate to like clear my good name, but also like to try to get justice for these people who were robbed. And it's so weird because I've become the face of it now. Oh, Anytime no. someone starts posting that they're selling $600 MacBooks, I am tagged in it. Like I am now the face of the scam, which is, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> but also it's like, why has nobody stopped him? I mean, the scammers are probably never going to stop scamming. No. <laughs> Brittany. Oh my gosh. Lacey, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been such a fun time, Brittany. It's great to talk to you again. Coming up, reporter Susan Tompor of the Detroit Free Press joins us to give some tips on how to spot a grift and how peer-to-peer payment apps like Zelle are at the center of millions of dollars in scams. But first, some listener scam stories. Stay tuned. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing, backpacking, and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. This message comes from The Run-Through with Vogue. Listen as designers, Vogue editors, and industry icons like Erica Badu and Florence Pugh have in-depth conversations about fashion and culture. New episodes are released each Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. When we first started working on this piece, we asked you, our listeners, to share your scam stories. And I was struck by the range. 
basically they're like, hey, we sent you some mail about like being eligible for the student debt relief program. Their website looks legit. All of their paperwork looks legit. And they scammed me out of all this money. I was trying to get a hold of my dad on a Thursday. I couldn't get a hold of him. He had been told that he had won a $1.9 million lottery, but he first had to make a payment to satisfy the IRS on the, in terms of taxes of $50,000. I personally wasn't scammed. However, my in-laws were, and it all centered around some horrible people calling my in-laws and stating to them that my son, their grandson, was in the hospital and in jail and he, they needed money for surgery and they needed money to get him out of jail. All it would have taken was a single cell phone call, but they pushed that emotional button with my in-laws and my in-laws lost $30,000. And the police said, nothing they could do. Like I said before, it can be really hard to identify a scam because there's grifts every day. But here to help point out some typical scam behavior and possible solutions is Susan Tompor. Susan Tompor of the Detroit Free Press, thank you so much for joining us today on It's Been a Minute. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine the boon that the last couple of years has given you because I feel like scammers are everywhere right now. Oh, my God. You know, I counted how many times I wrote uh, a column on scams last year and literally 25 times or more. And oh I'm like, gosh. what? That's too much. I mean, you have covered all types of scams. Um, you covered fake puppy scams on eBay, fake job postings, phishing, Amazon gift card scams, crypto ATM scams. Your work runs the gamut. Is there like an anatomy, <laughs> a common anatomy of these scams um, that you've encountered or heard about in your reporting? One thing that is common is they often, as some experts call it, get into the ether. What they do is they get you going and they convince you, well, this is part of a new process. You know, this is the way we're doing things. And they rush you. They put you in a, a state where you feel like I have to act right now. If I don't act right now, I won't get the job. If I don't act right now, uh, the IRS is going to come knocking on my door or um, someone else will come and knocking on my door. Another thing that was huge or has been huge the last couple of years is the Amazon scam. Because they'll say somebody's gone into your account and charged $1,000 for an iPhone. They'll text you on this. But oddly enough, it goes from Amazon to a U.S. Marshal to money laundering. And sometimes they've got you going to a Walmart or some other store to buy gift cards, right. a Target to buy gift cards. And you're reading them off the numbers in the parking lot. Wow. Part of it is because we were so isolated during the pandemic. We don't talk to one another as much. I'm not sure why our mental state is like this, but we're very vulnerable to it. Everybody's vulnerable to it. It sounds like one of the common threads is this like sense of urgency, as you mentioned. You must act now. And that pressure, as you mentioned, gets victims to do things that they, under normal circumstances, would not do, or at least would have a lot more questions about. What do you think scammers are trying to take advantage of by creating this false sense of urgency in their victims. They're trying to stop you from interacting with somebody else who might correct mm. the situation. So they keep you on the line. They tell you not to hang up. Victims tell me that the scammer told them when they went to the bank, tell them you're taking the money out for carpeting because they're going to ask you why you're taking the money out. They don't want you to have someone stop you 
I also feel like those types of scams end up putting you in a position where like as a victim, you may be more prone to using an app like Zelle or Venmo or Cash App. Talk to me about how using an app like that might leave a victim maybe more vulnerable than if they had been scammed in some other way. What's come up with the Zelle and the some of these uh, payment apps, people really aren't that familiar with uh, how they can be scammed with them. They're used to using them with their friends. You haven't heard the warnings quite as much. Number two, they use a sophisticated way to get into your bank account through these apps. And that's where it becomes almost like a gift card situation where you're not going to get that money back. If you've given access to somebody to say to buy a puppy on Zelle, and it's a scammer, it's not a real puppy, you've lost that money. Well, it becomes more complicated because the banks are saying, often you're the one authorizing this. Right, right. They don't even realize that access was granted to a checking account. All sorts of direction that they're giving you to fix a problem or to, to handle something. And one thing that I wrote about early this year is that many consumers were starting to hear supposedly from their bank saying that they've been victimized Mm -hmm. and it's not the bank that's calling, it's the scammer. And then the scammer's impersonating the bank. Right. And suppose, yes. Right. (laughs) So it gets really, it gets really pretty bad. Yeah. That's what happened to, to one of our, one of our producers on the show. That's how we, that's part of why we're talking to you today (laughs) because she was scammed in that way. How is using these apps different from using a credit card or a debit card? in a situation like this? No protection. Absolutely no protection. You know, if you use a credit card, most of the time you are not going to be held responsible. But with these apps, there is no protection. And, Hmm. you know, it's fine if you're only sending $50 to a friend, probably, right? But it's not even fine then because sometimes you get the number wrong. And they want us to use these apps more. Wait, so I wonder, okay, some. I mean, I have a couple... A couple thoughts about this, but um, why is it that there are no protections? Why is that different than if somebody like, you know, uses a card wiper or something like that and swipes my credit card information? Why are those two things so fundamentally different? I don't know. I honestly don't know why they're different. The law is written differently when it comes to electronic transfers and it dates back to the 70s. And so some of these things weren't in place and some of the law needs to be um, adjusted. Obviously, the banks don't want uh, to be covering you every time you make a mistake, but yet they'll do it with a credit card. There's a law that protects you with a credit card and there isn't with, a, with an app. How do banks, agencies and companies respond to consumers who are the, the victims of scams that happen through the aid of peer-to-peer apps? They're going to have to do an investigation. Sometimes they'll give you the money on hold right? and, um, you know, put it back in your account. But when they go through the investigation and they determine that, you know, you gave them access, that's the thing. Did you give them access? Did you give the scammers access to the account in some way? That's when it becomes right. a problem. And that's when they do back out. So um, I guess the one way to say this is if, If somebody came in and took the money out of your account and you weren't even ever online, then that would be pretty obvious. But if somehow you gave them your ATM card and the password, you're responsible. It's whether you've given them access. And that's that's the problem. You know, there was one woman I interviewed. I think it was an energy scam where the utility 
you know, the people impersonated the utility. The bank told her they were giving the money back. She saw the money back. And then all of a sudden they said it was a mistake that they weren't giving her the money back. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, so she had the money back and then the money was gone? Right. <laughs> oh, no. It kind of sounds like you've made a delineation between fraud, which is somebody making their way into your account and doing whatever they want with your money, right? Or impersonating you so that they can get your funds. And scamming, which is somebody cons you into trusting them with your financial information. I think we've been talking around this idea of a stigma against people who have been scammed as opposed to being defrauded. Why do you think there's such a stigma against people who have been scammed when they are also victims too? Well, when I first started doing this cover type of coverage seven or eight years ago, a lot of the focus, as I mentioned, was on elderly consumers. Mm-hmm. And there was a stigma there that the scammers took advantage of because the elderly wouldn't want to admit uh, that they had been scammed because that's another sign that they can't handle things and their family can sometimes turn against them. Mm. You know, say, well, you can't handle this. You need to go into assisted living. You can't live alone. You know, you're not responsible. But then I think it kind of goes into other groups too. People don't want to be open about it because they feel like, well, you know, I look foolish because I did this. Or, and then the scammer takes advantage of that because people aren't reporting the scam and then the word doesn't get out. Well, how are they scamming people? You know, we've been talking about all these scams and scammers. um, And there's one big thing that seems to happen consistently again and again, from big names like the Tinder swindler to Amazon gift card scammers, like the ones you mentioned. It feels like a lot of these people get away with it. Why is it so hard to bring scammers to justice? I think part of it is that sometimes it'll be a crime ring like in another country. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, difficult to crack down on. And, you know, it's important to lock your car doors. It's important not to keep your keys in your car. These are all important things. But at the end of the day, if somebody comes in and steals your catalytic converter when you're at Target, there's a theft involved, right? And I, I compare that to what's going on with your money you know, they come in and they steal it. So there's a theft and something has to be done. If you're, if the consumer is picking up the tab on all these thefts, then there's no way, there's no way you're going to get improved enforcement or, or anything like that, because there's too many individuals out there, you know, but if the banks have to pick up the tab, well, then maybe I think they'd figure something out. Maybe I'm being a little aggressive here, but (laughs) they figure out it's a problem. (laughs) You know, in, in thinking about, I guess, hoping that, th- that these numbers of scams go down, I wonder who's actually making efforts to protect consumers as opposed to like, be, you know, being there on the other end saying, I told you so, or you should have known. Could you tell me more about the lawmakers who are making noise about this issue? Oh, Elizabeth Warren has been very loud on this issue lately. And the overall numbers are enormous. We know of at least a half a billion dollars in transactions. May not seem like a lot of money to you, but to the person who just lost $450, it's a lot of money to them. Some other Democrats are working on it as well. In terms of some of these other scams, I think the Federal Trade Commission do have the FBI working on on some of these issues. But I don't really know in terms of how much progress is being made. Hmm. In your expert opinion, I should say, what can people do to detect a scam? 
to protect yourself from a scam, unfortunately, much of it involves not interacting with people. (laughs) (laughs) The only way to stay safe. (laughs) It's really, it's just gotten to the point, you know, I hate to say it, but you can't answer your phone, you know, unless you recognize the number. You can't talk to strangers, you know, I mean, it, it really is unfortunate because people are very social and they're trusting, you You know, you're right. going to interact. But the minute you start interacting is the minute they can start weaving because they have control. They've done this 5,000 million times before. Oh. Another way I think to protect yourself is when somebody starts asking for numbers of any sort, your credit card number, social security number, if somebody starts trying to scare you with a story Mm. of any sort, whether it be they're going to shut down your electricity because you haven't paid the bill, whether it be the IRS, it's important to understand, you know, if I'm retired, I may be a target because I have a 401k Mm -hmm. or I may have some money. Um, If I'm a non-English speaker, I'm likely to be targeted. What can or should they do if they are scammed? If you have been scammed, I think it's important to reach out to your city police department FTC.gov, you want to report anything in terms of identity theft, you need to talk with your bank. You do have to change those that information to stop them from gaining access. You know, it is also recommended by the experts to Google things. Honestly, that's been my friend. Anytime anybody calls me from like a number that I don't recognize, I Google it <laughs> to see what the, uh, I Google it to see like where the call is actually coming from. But I wouldn't say necessarily that I'm any more knowledgeable than the average person. I just, I think I've been more lucky. Perfect. But the scammers sometimes are able to um, impersonate real numbers. That's exactly, so. now that is something exactly <laughs> that happened to our producer and that happening to her, that put me on notice. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, that was my go-to crutch. <laughs> Googling the number to see if that was it. <laughs> So you have to be careful. Sometimes it's best to go to the back of your credit card, the back of your ATM card, an actual physical statement to get the right number. Oh my gosh. Well, what a journey. And and now I feel like I'm just, I'm I'm like sort of, I feel like I've discovered the matrix and I'm just looking around me, realizing all the scams that lie in wait (laughs) for all of us. Oh my gosh. Well, Fortunately, we have people like you who are getting to the root of these scams all of the time and keeping us informed on what we can do to protect ourselves until more protections are put in place. So Susan, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking with me today. It's always great to have somebody from the hometown paper. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Brittany. That was Susan Tompor from the Detroit Free Press. Thanks again to Lacey Mosley and Susan Tompor. Thanks to the people who shared their stories with us, like Annalicia, George, Vince, Cindy, and our editor's dad. This episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Alexis Williams, Barton Girdwood, Liam McBain, Corey Antonio Rose. Our intern is Jamal Michelle. This episode was edited by Jessica Mendoza, Jessica Plachek. Engineering support came from Alex Drewenskis. Our executive producer is Verilyn Williams. Our VP of programming is Yolanda Sanguini. Our senior VP of programming is Anya Grundman. All right, that's our show for today. I'm Brittany Luce. See you next week for another episode of It's Been a Minute from NPR.
This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.